Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, I get to speak with Kathleen Beckman, who's written a beautiful book on the life of Blessed Conchita. She was one of the great mystics in the church, and we're going to talk about all of her writings, her family, her struggles and trials, and compare her spirituality to those of St. Teresa of Avila and St. Maria Faustina. I hope you enjoy the show. Please subscribe. And again, welcome to Mercy Unbound. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a show that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. With me, with me today, I have a special guest, a longtime friend. We haven't hooked back up for over 25 years, um, but she's a wonderful woman. She's written several books for priests, God's Healing Mercy, uh, women praying to family, uh, healing and, and spiritual warfare. And I asked her to come on the show today to discuss her latest book, Beautiful Holiness, A Spiritual Journey with Blessed Conchita to the Heart of Jesus. And you can get that through sophiainstitute.com. Is that right, Kathleen? Yes. Okay. And um, she's a frequent speaker at conferences, uh, but I'm so happy to have her here today and welcome to Mercy Unbound. Brian, thank you so much, dear friend. Um, I'm very glad that you mentioned that we met our paths crossed through the message of divine mercy, which we both love and and uh, and try to walk uh, 25 years ago. And so when I invited you to be a speaker at the Divine Mercy Conference that we used to do here in the Diocese of Orange, so I'm delighted to uh, be able to be on this program with you today. Kathleen, let's just start with, how did you become interested in, in Blessed Conchita? Well, initially, maybe 15, 20, no, I wanna say it's probably more like 25 years ago, a priest friend who was in a prayer group here, Brian, that I, I hosted a prayer group with lay people and priests would come and uh, in our home. And he handed me uh, her book, on her messages to priests. He had been um, very moved by the messages that the Lord Jesus gave to her about the priesthood. And they're they're very deep. So I was well aware of that part of her um, mystical itinerary, if you will, that she was chosen by God to receive the, you know, the locutions, like, similar to St. Faustina, um, that on the priesthood. And so that's the only really as, uh, facet of Blessed Conchita that I knew for until about two and a half years ago when my path crossed with Father Domenico Raimondo, who is a missionary of the Holy Spirit, and he was offering mass at my parish. And we began to converse. And um, that, that long story short, he invited me to write this book. And he was at my side during that. It was only then about two, three years ago that I really started to open up the book that is Blessed Conchita, the the part of her that was mother, wife, uh, you know, foundress, and her mystical itinerary is, is fascinating. So um, that's why we have the book, A Beautiful Holiness, because I chose it's uh, to 
to look at Conchita as a spiritual mother, somebody who helps us to form the interior life. It is not necessarily biographical because there are other works there that are biographical that are available in tra translations from Spanish, which most of her works are because she was from Mexico. So I, I tried to approach this saint as one who helps us to discover a very deep interior communion with Jesus. And that's really her message, isn't it? That uh, laity are, are not just as supposed to be mediocre Christians, that we're all called to the highest level of holiness. Absolutely. I think that's her genius, is her witness to the universal call to holiness. I mean, consider, Brian, that she was um, a mother of nine children. And yet one of the most uh, prolific mystical writers in the history of the church. And the church has uh, reviewed all of these mystical writings, 66 volumes. She kept what she would call, you know, we know from St. Faustina, her diary. For Blessed Conchita, she was not well educated. So she relied very much on Holy Mother Church and priests to confirm what was going on inside of her. And, and when she would, uh, she would call, I think it was a priest that invited her to write what is called her account of conscience. So for her, it was just her account to her spiritual director. She wasn't, you know, trying to, she never dreamed that it would be published or anything, but that, you know, she was writing to give an account of all that was happening, the way Jesus was working in her soul to her spiritual director. So he would help her discern if she was on the right or wrong path. And so now we have these 66 volumes of these deep mystical experiences and including locutions from our Lord and from our lady and all of them have been approved. So, you know, uh, I keep thinking of, of St. Faustina because I see such a, a resemblance in them in many ways. Now you've, you mentioned the priest that helped you who uh, was part of the missionaries, the Holy spirit. Um, she started two orders, didn't she? Yes, actually, she's uh, known for five works of the cross. So the uh, Apostleship of the Cross, the Sisters of the Cross of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Covenant of Love Community, which is for laity, and then the Fraternity of Christ the Priest and the Missionaries of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, try to try to really conceptualize that. She's a mother. Oh, she's a wife, very devoted wife, whose husband has a business. Um, and she has nine children, and she founded two or two um, uh, apostolates for priests, uh, one for sisters and three for laity. That Brian touched me because I've always been struck by in Scripture how God loves fruitfulness, and I always try to judge like my own journey, my own spiritual life by its fruitfulness. And when we look at Blessed Conchita, we see there's an extraordinary fruitfulness that is so far beyond anything that is that is natural. That, you know, she's a very simple woman, but we see the supernatural very alive in her. Uh, two quick questions. Didn't her daughter join the uh, Order of the Sacred Heart? Uh... Her daughter became... Um, 
the in the sisters became one of a, a sister in the order that she had started. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yes. Mm -hmm. and then the, uh, but didn't Conchita have mystical experiences even as a child? I mean, it started early. Yes. Um, some records say that she was four, others say she was six, um, that she had a dream when she was a little girl. And now to, for context, Blessed Conchita grew up in a very devout Catholic family. So she grew up 250 miles south of Mexico City in the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So very much was aware of Our Lady of Guadalupe and a daughter of, of Guadalupe. But she grew up in the context of a family that was very devoted to the Eucharist. Her parents were involved in, in uh, Eucharistic adoration and, and so, uh, or bringing that wasn't common brian at the time because she was born in 1862 and died in 1937 at 74 years of age and at that time and in that place it wasn't like it was easy to find daily mass or adoration so she would often find the tabernacle but um so so she grew up in that context of a very with a very good mother and father who formed her because for her, love and sacrifice are never separated. Love and sacrifice are always intertwined. So at the age of six, she has this dream of Jesus. And he is with her and very close to her and is like leaning on her. And he completely captures her imagination, her mind. She called it a dream. We don't know, you know what kind of an experience, mystical experience it was. But it never left her. I mean, from that moment onward, she was um, she was aware of Christ in her and with her. You mentioned um, suffering and love and sacrifice. It reminds me of a quote from Faustina's diary that I never really understood till recently. She said that through suffering, love becomes concretized or crystallized. And it's yeah. like, yeah, because it really shows its face when you can suffer out of love for God. And, um, you know, that's that's Conchita, that's Faustina and, and many of the great saints before us. Um, tell, tell us about her specific mission to priest. What was her message to the priest or how did the Lord want her to, to work for priests? And, you know, I, I think for context, we need to remember that she's the mother of a priest. Her son became a um, a priest of a Society of Jesus, a Jesuit, and was ordained in Spain. So I think that um, Blessed Conchita, regarding her mission with priests, we need to remember that it was a call from Christ, that Christ was the initiator, that her union with Christ, the eternal high priest, is what caused her to appreciate and to understand the ministerial priesthood. But she also understood the, the priesthood of the baptized, which we'll get into later. But Jesus would speak to her about his priests. And the messages were not these sweet uh, kind of uh, words. Uh, they were the call of the priest to highest sanctity and sacrifice on behalf of his people and the call to transforming union with the good shepherd 
and all that that entails. So her ministry to priests just, I think it happened very organically, Brian. She leaned on priests because of what she was hearing in her spiritual life. But then the priests began to lean on her very organically because the priests that she would speak to, including archbishops in Mexico. And what's interesting, I think, is and unusual is that she may have had a, a number of priests over her 74 years of life that were her directors. And three of them, their cause for canonization are open. Hmm. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? I mean, one of them that a lot of your listeners may be familiar with is Archbishop uh, Luis Martinez, who wrote The Sanctifier. So his um, cause uh, is opened. I think he's a, a servant of God. And so, um, and I had read his book before reading anything from Conchita. He wrote The Sanctifier, which is a great book on the Holy Spirit. And so she, um, so then the priest began to lean on her because they understood that Blessed Conchita could hear uh, uh, the Lord and had this interior divine intimacy with him and so there was this mutual help given and so the uh, volumes of her writings for priests um are, are are immense and they have spread she tried to keep it secret in her town she didn't even tell her son who was in seminary that she had written these or received these revelations, what she did was she said to him, I hear that there are some writings that are circulating and uh, they may be helpful to you. And she never let him know that it was her at that time. That's interesting. You know, many, many of us at times think, oh, the saints had it easy. You know, they may have locutions or they may have seen the Jesus like Faustina in the image and yet they all suffered she had her trials, didn't she? Oh, she had tremendous trials. Um, four of her children died. First of all, she was married for 17 years, and her um, devotion to her husband really touched my heart because, you know, while I thought, well, I, I'm a, I try to be a good wife, but her attention to the souls of her husband and to the souls of her children, her attention to their eternal salvation was foremost. And you can see that she wrote wonderful letters um, that to her children on each one of whether they were called to marriage or whether they were called to, you know, the other children um, were all married. And so that the one there was one nun, one priest, four died and the rest married. And so she was a grandmother and a great grandmother. And um, her exhortations to be holy, to sacrifice everything for love are really uh, extraordinary. So her devotion to her husband, she prepared him for a holy death. She was at his side after 17 years of marriage. Um, and, you know, she was completely devoted to him. And some of the writings that, uh, in fact, I, I had uh, in preparation, um, you know, I think that her writings to her husband and to her children are really very touching. Um, can I share a little bit? Sure, please. Okay. So this is a how she wrote to her own family, you know, focused, uh, she focused so much on the family. This is to her daughter who is going to become a nun. Become a saint, Teresita. Fall in love with Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. Let yourself be done and undone by the one who loves you so much. 
courageous and hardworking, no childish, childishness. You were not born to be a sweet talker, but to cross a thousand worlds. Beware of that clinging heart of yours. Let thy dealings be natural. Throw yourself headlong into an interior and perfect life without losing your character. Mm. I mean, that speaks volumes. This is what she's writing to her daughter, knowing her daughter, you know, beware of that clinging heart of yours, you know, and she wrote these beautiful letters to her husband and to her, her children, um, exhorting them uh, to, to highest holiness. And, you know, she was, when you mentioned uh, the suffering, her suffering was intense because she, her brother was accidentally murdered. Um, her children died. One of the sons drowned in their pool or drowned in the pond. And so they, um, they, she knew a great deal of suffering. And one of the hallmarks, Brian, of her mystical uh, journey was the vision of the cross. And what touched me about this vision of the cross, because she was well acquainted with suffering through the death of her husband and her children. And also she was growing up in Mexico in the time of the Mexican Revolution and the Cristeros War. Right. She saw what was happening. I didn't have room in the book. It was already too big for me to write about what was happening in Mexico at the time. But she saw priests murdered, nuns, you know, and, and uh, convents uh, that they were exiled. And so um, this vision of the cross is something I think is a good takeaway for us that in this vision of Calvary and Jesus on the cross, she sees that the heart of Jesus is pierced, but she notes that the Holy Spirit is overshadowing the entire cross and that the Holy Spirit overshadowed everything that was happening in that moment of the perfect sacrifice at Calvary. And it reminds us that when we are on the cross, that we also have that Holy Spirit overshadowing us, giving us the grace and the mercy that we need to stay on that cross for love of God. We only, by uniting ourselves to him and his sacrifice, then we become a very pleasing offering to the Lord. Didn't she write that really everything focuses or we we must live in and try to live in the will of God? Um, yes. That's the ultimate. Uh, yes. Yes, and very much so. The the will of God, to do the will of God, some saints have described that as, as the way of sanctity. And of course, you know, it's no easy thing because I know my will and God's will doesn't always align, right? And his will is going to be the harder way, is it not? It's going to be the way of sacrifice and of mercy, the way of forgiveness, the way of holiness. And so that's not an easy path. It's possible by the grace of God, by the, whole, the indwelt Holy Spirit. And I think in the indwelt Lord Jesus Christ. So by virtue of our baptism, we are able to uh, to yield, if you will, to surrender to the one who is actively moving you and I toward eternal salvation by way of the cross, by way of, um, of uh, purifying us so that we might be holy. And, you know, the title of the book, Beautiful Holiness, I think you know, uh, Blessed Conchita was a beautiful woman. And a lot of people assume that I was referring to Conchita and beautiful holiness, but I was really referring to, to Jesus. 
it's he is the beautiful one and he's the only holy one and so the holiness is attractive brian holiness is beautiful and those who are holy and when we think of saint faustina or we think of saint john paul ii we see in mother Teresa, we see that they are attractive that the whole world whether they're believing or non-believing there is attracted to them because holiness is beautiful yeah it's kind of like they radiate the love of god like the rays of mercy coming out through us and then they radiate it out to the others and faustina even had that vision yeah. I, I remember in faustina's diary one of the pages i think it's 334 she took the page and xed it out and put my will no longer exists only the will of god and you know i think of my own being like i'm like a wild mustang that hard to tame you know but we won't find that peace until we really search and try to do the will of God. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I think that the one who helped Blessed Conchita fulfill God's will in her life, which was not an easy call, um, was Our Lady. Um, Jesus asked her to imitate Our Lady, especially in three, three different facets. First, the Virgin of Guadalupe, then the Virgin of the Cross, and then the Virgin of Solitude. So the Virgin of Solitude was to imitate Our Lady, which I found this very interesting because I'm a grandmother. And uh, and so the, the part of Our Lady after Jesus was ascended to the Father, that time uh, when Mary was um, more uh, contemplative, when she was an intercessor for the church, when she was spiritually mothering the birthing of the church after her son had gone, and she suffers... And, and uh, also is involved in the remembrance of the sacrifice of her son. So Our Lady of Solitude, Our Lady at the Cross. And so, you know, it is Mary that says those great words, be it done unto me according to your word. She gives this fiat to the divine will. And so by Jesus um, asking Conchita to, Blessed Conchita, to align to the Immaculate Heart, she was able to do as Mary did in the, and give that fiat. You know, in the book, I, I say that the scripture that came to mind for Conchita was the widow's might. Um, she was just all in, you know, and that is so attractive because, you know, uh, during my conversion, shortly before I met you, I had this conversion experience and um, I, I realized that I had been walking in a very mediocre way and it was time to make a decision to go all in or forget it. And so the middle ground never has been attractive, I think, to those of us who love the Lord. And so we want to we want to choose like the widows might be all in like our saints have been. You one of the chapters I really found fascinating was you right on the concept of the mystical incarnation share with us what that is and what um you know the mystical incarnation what what were you saying there I found it the mystical incarnation is a very in a way a difficult concept uh when i was reading about it and i almost didn't put it in the book because i thought okay this is a special grace that was given to Blessed Conchita, and I don't know how the average Catholic in the pew will relate to it. But Father Domenico reminded me that uh, he said the value of it in the book would be that um, all the baptized um, are called to this and can have this gift. 
Blessed Conchita, like other saints that had extraordinary gifts, um, she had it to a very high degree. But all of us, he explained, by virtue of our baptism, can have this. So what is the mystical incarnation? It is a grace rooted in baptism. So it's a grace given to Conchita in a special way, but available to all of us. It's rooted in what St. Paul describes in his scripture, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. So by virtue of our baptism, Brian, we know that we're called to transforming union, that we are indwelt with our Lord, that by virtue of our baptism, we have been plunged into the death and the life of the most holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have this union with them. Um, and so we this is the aim, really, of all of our spiritual journey, right? Transforming union, not just for the saints, but we're all called to the saints. And we're all called to be saints. So this is our aim of every mass, of every act of worship, of every sacrifice that we make, of every prayer and rosary and chaplet, is to be one with the Lord Jesus Christ and to move in the power of his Holy Spirit and to be as Christ. What does that mean? Jesus is a perpetual offering to the father and that's what the priests do right so there's this three stages of um well a, a beautiful uh, theologian uh um narrowed it down to make it um understandable to three different stages and the first one is the priestly stage and that is that the what does the priest do he offers the word he offers jesus and us at mass right he offers jesus and us in union with him to the father as a gift to the father so that's the priestly stage and so we're we have that ability with a small p with our our baptismal priesthood because we're baptized priest prophet and king so now we have the priestly stage the second stage is the eucharistic stage what at mass we hear this is my body so jesus is saying in the offering of the eucharist this is my body but are we not at mass also uniting our bodies, our souls with the Lord in um, communion with Christ to the eternal father? Reminds me of the chaplet of divine mercy. We offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity, right? And in the Marian stage uh, where in and in through Mary, we worship in love, united with this mother of God. Why? Because she magnifies our offering. So it, the mystical incarnation is a call to transforming union, to walking with the Lord in this, I live now, not I, but Christ in me, and living that out as Paul who teaches us. It's a beautiful concept. And, um, you know, you, you, you know Conchita so well, but share with us a couple passages in her writings that really maybe hits you the hardest. I... One of her hallmarks is she always cried out to Jesus, Jesus, save them. And she was always aware, and I think the Holy Spirit makes us aware, of the salvation of souls. For her, loving Jesus always included the salvation of souls. It was Jesus, save them, save souls. Jesus told her, your, your mission is the salvation of souls. That's something I think we really need to remember in our journey that, you know, what we're about, every, every tear that we offer up, every ache of our heart, every heart piercing is to be offered for the salvation of souls, you know, our loved ones and, um, and those we don't even know because we are one body in Christ. 
Um, as far as there's so many writings, and I do include uh, many of her mystical writings in the book, but here's an example of, of uh, her prayer to Mary in her union. O Mary, mother of my soul, protectress of orphans, make ponchos. Now she's praying for her husband. Poncho's devotion to you grow. May it grow too in all my children. I give them to you as your own. Cover them with your mantle. Keep them ever pure. Keep them in your son's heart. Grant them good inclinations and love of the cross. You know that I do not know how to educate them. I do not know how to be a mother. You know, oh Mary, shelter them in your bosom. Keep them pure for Jesus. Oh Mary, for him alone. So that's a beautiful way she prayed for her husband and for her children. Um, a sample of, uh, of her prayer to Jesus. Oh yes, my life. She's calling Jesus her life because he was. Speak to this heart which belongs wholly to you. Speak to it in the solitude of your cloister. He taught her that her cloister is her heart. Um, in the atmosphere of your cross, from all eternity, by your grace, you have made me come out of nothingness. From my tenderest childhood, you have drawn me to suffering. You have shown me the folly of love, but love of the cross. You have transformed me into it. Mm. Stunning. You know, and I think so many families today, they're just focused on the world and you got children just trying to make it through one day at a time, but, you know, hoping their kids go to college or whatever, have these materialistic goals, but forget we're spiritual beings and uh, right. we're here just a short time. Um, gosh, you and I haven't seen each other for years and it's like time has flown by so fast and yet we have to get back to the focus of the spiritual life. Um, yeah. You mentioned Faustina and Teresa of Avila. Um, I always loved reading so hard, but enjoyed reading Teresa of Avila and the interior castles and things. How do you see those three interrelate spiritually? Well, um, I think that they're very, they, they really complement one another. And there's a lot of, um, of unity and that they hear from the Lord. They have an ability, the grace to hear and to uh, surrender unto what the Lord is doing. So I think they are great mystics. By that, I mean that they are, they their interior life is exemplary. And, and you know, they, they wrote things down. And so, I mean, we think about, I, I know you and I have been so formed, if you will, by the writings of saints, you know, especially St. Faustine. And, and I've, I like, I've written, or I have read uh, a lot of saints, especially in the early years of my conversion. And I think they um, really help us to understand what love of God looks like and what life with Christ is meant to be. And it's a call to, you know, a call to holiness that is attractive. And they show us that it's achievable because God achieves it in us. So I think those are very um, complementary. Um, I think that the writings that Blessed Conchita have left the church, um, they 
they I've been told that they are more numerous than St. Thomas Aquinas. So and that's extraordinary when you think this is a this is a wife, a mother of nine children, and she traveled and she made pilgrimages. She went to Rome to get permission to start the order for the priests. And so the, the missionaries of charity, and I mean, I'm sorry, missionaries of the Holy Spirit, sorry. And um, so I think they're very complimentary. But did you pick up in the book, Brian? that uh, Jesus told her that she was the completion of the revelations of a sacred heart to St. Margaret Mary. And at the time when Blessed Conchita was alive, Margaret Mary was a blessed. So she wasn't yet canonized. And so and Blessed Conchita was very embarrassed to admit to her priest spiritual director that the Lord had even compared her mm-hmm. to blessed margaret mary and the revelations but that the distinction was he said according to what the lord gave to blessed conchita was that he revealed to saint margaret mary his um kind of the exterior sufferings from the ingratitude or the the blasphemies uh, the indifference of you know the world to his heart how little love does this heart that has loved you? And then uh, for Blessed Conchita, the complimentary part of it was that he revealed his interior sufferings. And what is key about that, that when you discover what are these interior sufferings of the Lord, they are foremost the insults and injuries from his beloved priests. And so it's a, I think it's a very interesting note. And that's why, you know, she's a woman that says a lot about the Holy Spirit and her prophecies about a time of the Holy Spirit and a new Pentecost for the renovation of the world, but foremost, a priestly Pentecost that is the Lord's will. That's, that's beautiful. You know, I'm going to get back to the Blessed Mother a little bit because you think of the Blessed Mother's suffering and when she unites to the Blessed Mother, I mean, isn't she entering again the kind of school of suffering which she lived in her life? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, she knew that, I mean, when we think of Our Lady of Guadalupe, because she's definitely a daughter of Mexico and a daughter of Guadalupe, we think of what Our Lady did there. Um, We talk about spiritual warfare. I mean, what was going on, those satanic sacrifices. And so she came and look at the conversions and the fruitfulness that came from Our Lady of Guadalupe. But also we see that Our Lady is, you know, that gentle warrior. And, uh, you know, really that's that's how the conversions came about. And Blessed Conchita is very much uh, called to that type of Marian uh, spirituality. But I think that um, Mayor, uh, that Blessed Conchita is foremost united to Our Lady at the Cross. And I mean, we could ponder the rest of our lives, Our Lady at the Cross, is I really believe that um, her Magnificat, you know, that she, that she prayed um, at the visitation uh, was prayed even more perfectly by every atom of her being when she was standing at the foot of the cross. And so, and then she teaches us to, to stand with Our Lady um, at the cross. And there's been a lot of prophecies. I mean, St. Edith Stein, she said, uh, I believe that the moment has come in which we are called to the cross and to stand there with Our Lady. And I think if we look at what's going on in the world today, uh, you know, we we understand that the Christians, Catholics 
are really called to the cross right now. And what we, I think what Blessed Conchita teaches us is not to be afraid of suffering, not to be afraid of sacrifice, that it's Christ in us who will give us the grace to suffer whatever he calls us to suffer or sacrifice, uh, but we are to stand, we're to be courageous, we're to not back down, we're to stand at that cross, even when you think of the the cacophony and spiritual warfare that was happening, um, the disorder of the whole scene of Calvary, as Jesus is crucified, we can um, we can kind of relate to that today in with the situation in our world and in the culture and in families and the church. And so I think that it's genius um, that Blessed Conchita. It's her time now. Her call is to the cross and to be at the cross for the sake of love and not to be afraid to sacrifice or let Jesus sacrifice in us because it's a beautiful call to love. You know, I think so much we let fear dominate and, uh, you know, we say we trust in the Lord and yet we're full of fear. Those are kind of incompatible and right. we just have to keep turning it over. Um, Kathleen, uh, I do want to mention your book again, but Beautiful Holiness, a spiritual guide with Blessed Conchita to the heart of Jesus, um, sophiainstitute.com. Um, any closing thoughts for us uh, as you reflect on all this uh, before we wrap up today's show? I would just, well, thank you for this opportunity, first of all. Secondly, I would encourage anyone listening to this to um, open up their hearts and minds, to pick up the book, pick up the book, and because... You know, I think that the book helps us to reimagine what holiness looks like in ordinary life. And so I think it's a book that will, will leave you with the greater awareness that no matter where you are, whether you're single or whether you're a fiance or whether you're engaged or you're married or you're a grandmother or a grandfather, um, what, wherever you are, there's something of God that you're called to, and God is at work with you, and it's a call to holiness. And I would encourage you to imitate the saints like Blessed Conchita, because they have a way of showing us how, what it is and how it is that we can be more intimately uh, united with our Lord Jesus. Well, Kathleen, I want to Thank you again for joining me for Mercy Unbound. Um, people get the book. Uh, it's a beautiful read. And as we all strive for holiness in a world that's upside down right now. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please subscribe. And uh, you can get a hold of Kathleen here. Um, Kathleen, what, what's the best way? Um, I know you speak at conferences and things. How do people reach you? Um, I have a website, KathleenBeckman.com, and uh, right there is all the information and also the link to the Foundation of Prayer for Priests, because I do want to encourage listeners to, um, to enter into this intercessory prayer, spiritual motherhood and fatherhood for our priests, for the holiness of priests. So if you go to KathleenBeckman.com, there's a link to the Foundation of Prayer for Priests website. It is filled with free resources 
on spiritual motherhood, how to spiritually adopt a priest, on what is what does it mean to be a spiritual mother? How do we pray for our priests? There are beautiful reflections and articles and interviews, so that it's all there for you for free. Great, and I'll put that in the summary of the talk uh, when it airs. And people, thank you again. Thank you for joining Kathleen and I for Mercy Unbound. Remember, we have to be love. Jesus Christ, God is love, and uh, Martin Luther King said that darkness cannot drive out darkness; only love can. So. We'll hope to see you next time on Mercy Abound, and thanks again for joining us. God bless. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.